Recorded this week with a special blend of Hand of Pod's unique slow coffee. Welcome to Hand of Pod. is that there's no coffee at all in it and 100% wine this week we're not on Fenet Branca because they keep refusing to give us kickbacks for mentioning them um, so welcome everybody and thanks, thanks to sorry sorry uh, um, thanks to Finca Gabriel for providing the wine yes absolutely. we'll be waiting for your check in the post yeah um, as you've already heard I'm, I'm sitting with the two dams English and Australian hello hi and Seba Garcia hola and as ever we're here to run down the, the latest news um, in the world of Argentine football, which starts this week with the startling revelation from Diego Maradona, something that none of us suspected at all, that he took drugs at some no. point. Um, but Diego, Diego. Yeah, this is... Everybody drinks coffee in Argentina. <laughs> you drink coffee here in Argentina too. <laughs> don't don't you? Yeah. The fact that he's uh, the, the, the coffee of God is a different reason, <laughs> it's a different matter maybe. I enjoy speedy coffee every now and then. Shall yeah. we explain these home. coffee references to us? Yeah. In case somebody doesn't know. <laughs> 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 Go ahead, Sam. You heard Sam. Well, Maradona is, um, as, as we've discussed once or twice in, in recent <laughs> weeks, not the happiest bunny at the moment with AFA. President Julio Grandona, a fine, upstanding citizen of the Argentine community. And FIFA vice president, and vice president of the world, as he proclaims. And and Maradona, as part of his um, war of words with Grandona, which has been going on for some time now and never fails to amuse, if not irritate slightly at times as well, um, has revealed that Grandona told the Argentine national team in 1990 I think the playoff was 93, 93. in 1993 before they played Australia in the uh, playoff qualifier for, for the 94 World Cup that there were not going to be any anti-doping measures before one of the two playoff legs um, and that the way that Maradona put it was that the medical team put something in the squad's coffee before the game so that they could run harder what do we make of this guys Dan I, I gather you've been email interviewing uh, yeah I, I talked to um, yeah just to go a bit further back into the story um, Grondona's comments that set Maradona off were that uh, he made some reference to well obviously this is part of the, the longer argument but he said something like um, yes I'm an old man but uh, at least I'm healthy and um, what was it was something to, yeah it was something along the lines of uh, I might be old but at least I'm healthy not like some people who aren't so healthy and it's all because of what they've done to it yeah not, not because of natural causes because of yeah. him, he was making reference to Maradona to Maradona yeah. drug we could all see it that's yeah. that Maradona talking about um, lawsuits yeah he's going to start a lawsuit against Grondona and, and Afro I don't know who but basically he also, he also suggested that Argentine players should picket the AFA's headquarters which yeah he said a lot of things yeah. he also said he was going to stamp on Grondona's head and his son's <laughs> head and his grandchildren's head but on, on the on the game he said well I, he said I have a lot of perlitas which is little pearls which is like little revelations to tell 
in a court case, I guess he imagines. Um, <laughs> uh, and it was that, yeah, as you said, uh, the, the medical, the, I guess the team doctor, you would say, put something in their coffee and he said, cafe veloz, so like speedy coffee or fast coffee before the Australia Games, in a knowledge, as Grondona had, Grondona had told them, that there was not going to be any anti-doping tests during those games. Um, yeah, so, so in my opinion, what Diego did was basically try to expose Grondona with his comments, and what he ended up doing was expose himself and all his teammates from... Exactly, I mean, for, for Maradona, it's no, it's no big news, because as Sam implied before, we all, we all know Maradona's history, but uh, this is implying that the whole establishment was was in on this and as and also all the other players he, he said we, we would have taken any like we'd take anything the team doctor gave us and we would have done you know we would have I don't know why but he said we would have drunk orange juice to get to the, <laughs> to get to the we would uh, have even well, drunk na- yeah. uh, natural healthy <laughs> yeah, <I'm not> sure. <laughs> that was necessary uh, that was a strange example that he used uh, I'm not sure what he thinks orange juice is <laughs> something other than that it is but um, speedy yeah. juice maybe yeah I don't know but anyway so I talked to I uh, emailed uh, Ned Zelic was one of the Australian the Socceroos who was playing he played in the first leg then he went back to Borussia Dortmund who was playing for at the time and, and got injured so he wasn't at the second leg um, to get his ideas get his thoughts um, basically he was, he was surprised like everybody but his, he said he, none of them had any indication that there was anything like that going on he said it was a really hard game uh, we, we felt it was really really close the whole, the whole two legs but we had no suspicion that anything strange was going on. So he said if, if they had done an anti-doping test, uh, Argentina wouldn't have gone to the World Cup. Um, so obviously I asked Ned about that, and he, he said, well, that, that wouldn't have... You know, that, there's no point looking back now because we didn't go to the World Cup. We didn't play, the, we didn't play in USA in 1994, but it perhaps makes us, if it's true, perhaps makes us feel a bit better about how close it was playing against a world power like Argentina. Um, because really it was 1-1 in, in Sydney... Uh, and then in, in Monumental in Argentina it was uh, 0-0 until the second half and it was an own goal from Australia Alex Tobin and basically that was the tie uh, so it was really really tight yeah, yeah. and you've got to remember as well that was a hell of an Argentina team they had back then you, could, you had players like uh, Maradona obviously uh, Simeone Redondo Batistuta Canigia like you know, it wasn't a bad Argentina team. But no, not at all. Yeah, Argentina were coming from a 5-0 five, five defeat yeah, at home. Against Colombia. Colombia. It was kind of a good team, but not doing so yeah, well. Yeah, another point uh, Zelic made was that I, 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 put, I asked him the same question. With all these players, why would you even want to cheat? Mm. Uh, and he said, well, perhaps they were feeling nervous because of this. Diego was coming back from a suspension. Diego was, yeah, coming back from a long absence with the national team, and he was kind of cold. Mm. He was caught back because of the five nil against Colombia, really, wasn't it? Yeah, probably that triggered his return to the national team and, and was kind of seen as the, the, the charismatic figure to, to, to lead mm-hmm. the team and, and so, to the World Cup. Yeah, so his implication was that perhaps they were pretty nervous about, about this game. Maybe that's what would trigger such behaviour, but um, yeah, he, he, he couldn't, he didn't, certainly didn't accuse him of anything, but. Just interesting to get his perspective. Yeah, because I think the other thing, I don't know if you guys want to talk to it, but he also said, he also um, had a go at Batista as part of this kind of week-long rant he seems to have been on, <laughs> saying that anyone who leaves Tevez out of the national team has to be drunk. Yeah, coming from the man who left out Saletti. Yeah, a lot of people have pointed that out to me since, yeah. 
Drunk or stoned is basically what he said, right? Yeah, yeah. Or high. Yeah. 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 yeah, could be high on high on Or just the plain idiot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and that, that's another saga that continues now with Batista refusing to call uh, to call up Tevez and even mentioning the, the, the possibility of calling up Santiago Silva, who is Uruguayan yeah. and doing very well in the in the clausura in, in, mm. in, in his career in Argentina. He's been brilliant. As much as I rate Silva, he's no Tevez. <coughs> and, and also, if Argentina needs to, to nationalize anybody, it uh, has to be someone in defense, yeah, exactly. or a goalkeeper, or right. but not someone up front. We, yeah. we have plenty of options there. Right? Or maybe Francesca Lee for the manager, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Um, but yeah, we should emphasize about what a, such a huge deal this is in Argentina, just because of the, the, the sheer popularity of Tevez here. Mm. Uh, there was one poll online which um, is Tevez necessarily is Messi necessarily better than Tevez for the national team because basically Batista's line the whole time has been well Messi is my number nine as a backup I have Iwain and then maybe someone like Aguero as well or Milito yeah or Milito uh, and this website asks is Messi necessarily better than, than Tevez and 65% of people said no Tevez is we, we would prefer <laughs> Tevez as the number nine but even Tevez says Messi is the best yeah, in the world I mean, I mean, that, Shows like Tevez's popularity compared to we've talked about it before Messi's yeah. lack of yeah. popularity in Argentina. So Tevez is the player of the people, like well, the Boca people. Um, people, yeah, yeah. Even River fans. I think you can probably yeah, yeah given that. And then uh, Tevez went public for the first time <coughs> last week, and he went on a on a series of interviews, all happening one after the other in one afternoon. I was going crazy yeah. trying to listen to to all, all of them. them. And then the day after, in, in the media in England, was uh, the news got reflected, and I never heard Ted saying, "I want to quit. I, I want to leave Man- Manchester City." I actually never hear, uh, never, never. No, I've heard that. Part. But then uh, I saw in many websites in England saying. Uh, Tevez wants to quit Manchester City, which is not the case. It's the thing with Tevez is that he's having a tough moment in his private life with his uh, girls, with his daughters living in Argentina now after he split up with, with his former wife. And that is changing his reality because when he first signed for Manchester City, he was living with his family there and things change a little bit but it, that not, doesn't necessarily mean he's just greedy and wants to move no. to However, Madrid we, we should point out it was all Tevez is on doing because he started of course yeah. yeah cheated on his wife with a 19 year old actress who he's now yeah. broken up with the, the lovely Brenda Asnikar she's yeah. a lovely girl yeah, yeah. very young divina. <laughs> divina 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. she's got a bright future right she's got a bright future yeah so um, I'd like to open the question actually you know as their respective football journalists that we all are <laughs> would Tevez be in all of your Copa America squads because he would go for me yeah, yeah. Um, I Dan's going to say something yeah I'm, I'm going to I said this during the week that I'd probably take him if I, if I was the coach but at the same time I respect Batista's decision um, whether it's for, less so if it's for personal reasons which it probably is because yeah. uh, of this feud or whatever between Tevez and Batista but I think he has a point when he says, Messi is my number nine. As a backup, we have Iwain, who is not in the same form as Tevez, but he's a different kind of number nine. He's a big uh, traditional mm. target man. Then you've got Aguero, who's perhaps more flexible. You can play him in various positions at the front. And the system that Batista plays, you've got uh, Lavezzi and Di Maria on the uh, sort of wing forwards. Uh, 
and if you look, that's that's five, right? Yeah. And then you got if you, perhaps Milito is more like uh, a Yuan type of traditional nine. That's six if you take them. Like at some point, you have to not take somebody. Like you could not take Aguero, and it's also controversial. Or not but, take Iguain. You've got all these Personally, I'd, I'd drop one of Lovetsi or Di Maria. Yeah, yeah I'm not convinced. I think Tennis can play out wide. Both of them have have, yeah. have proved several times that that at best massively inconsistent for Argentina yeah. and at worst just yeah but I don't think Tevez has been particularly good for Argentina either I just remember the last game that Argentina kind of really really impressed me as a football team was that game against Spain and that was with Tevez playing I think he was playing either out wide or he was the man in the centre was Tevez and yeah, Messi, Messi. Up front. so he yeah, would have been playing wide yeah, yeah and, and that that trio played really well like I know Batista wants to play Messi as the nine but as I said, I would still probably, if it was me, I'd probably go with Tevez, but I respect it's the coach's mm. decision that he has. somebody has to be left out, and yeah. if he believes that maybe Di Maria and Loetzi are, are more um, uh, able to follow his directions, whereas Tevez is going to run all over the place, or whatever he's thinking. And the other maybe, maybe he doesn't want to have Tevez on the bench, because he could be yeah. a disruptive. This is, this is a point he's also made, that he, he's, he keeps saying, uh, I'm all, I, I base this decision on a lot of things, one of them is the group. Mm-hmm. So implying that Tevez is going to be perhaps problematic, and aside from all that, I think it's kind of a non-issue because I think any of those you can pick any of those guys or Lisandro Lopez or a couple of other guys, and they're all going to they're going to score goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As long as the rest of the setup is is yeah this is good is, enough. This is the other thing that I've said several times is that fantastic though Tevez is, and much as I definitely have him in my Argentina squad if I'm a manager. If there's one national team in the world who can afford yeah. to not call him up, then it's Argentina. Yeah. Um, unfortunately for him, even though he probably should be in the squad ahead of some of the players who are. Yeah. So uh, personally, I think the issue should be who, which, which back four they're going to play, or hmm. or something like that, because yeah. whether they mix the old guys with the young guys, or all young guys, or whatever. For me, that's a more important issue than this. And also yeah. to to clarify, the reason that this ties in with what we were talking about about Maradona just before is that. Maradona's jumped in on Tevez's side in all of this and he's it's essentially part of one long ongoing feud um, which Maradona has had with Julio Grondona ever since Grondona made him an offer that he couldn't accept to, <laughs> to carry on as, as Argentine national team manager after the last World Cup um, so Tevez says you know Batista in Maradona's head is, is part of that whole same thing Batista and Grandona are now one person for him almost so Tevez says something about Batista and as well in fairness Batista said earlier in the week uh, or last week that that he should have visited Tevez in person and spoken to yeah. him as well which he kind of went back on that um, but yeah Maradona just seems to be mouthing off about everybody who disagrees with, with Grandona at the moment yeah the Grandona Mar- Maradona is the one who called Grandona a father like, a couple of years ago. So, anyway, but the, I think the big picture here is that, in my opinion, Batista got himself in a tough, tough position now because he's turning the people against him mm. by, by leaving Teres out without giving a proper reason, like uh, saying, yeah. okay, this is for off the pitch issues or whatever it is. And, and yeah. What, men- what, what Sam just mentioned Batista went on a tour of Europe he visited every every country every national mm-hmm. team player and decided to skip Manchester and send a, a no didn't he go but he saw Zab- he didn't he didn't, he didn't go he yeah, sent an assistant yeah, and there will be times to talk about Chirola his assistant <laughs> who never kicked the ball never managed never, <laughs> never was involved with the game but he's uh, Batista's brother-in-law and that's why he's a uh, 
on such a high <laughs> job, with, paid by the AFA. <laughs> so he sent this hel- helper to um, to talk to Sabaleta and ignore Tevez, mm. and I think that will probably backfire on Batista. And now, he, even more than, than 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 ever before, Batista is. I think, in my opinion, is forced to win the Copa America, yeah, or else, yeah. or else he would he, he probably won't be there yeah. for Argentina come Brazil 2014. Change the, the subject just slightly. Another player whose future with the national team is on hold, or we don't know exactly what's going to happen. Sergio Aguero uh, has just scored over 100 goals for Atletico, which is an incredible feat for him, and. He still doesn't know whether he's going to be. Well, maybe he knows, but we we don't. And uh, Batista hasn't been uh, uh, hasn't been saying things uh, on public about this. So we don't know if Sergio Aguero is going well, to be part of the. Seems to indicate he's 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 he will be. Right? I think he was talking a few days ago saying that he he'd spoken to Aguero and that everything was everything feels good. Yeah, as, as, as he put it. But I, I think we that means probably will see Aguero at the Copa America. Yeah, yeah. Where we'll see him in the club. Sphere is a different story. Yeah, because just a couple of uh, hours before we we started recording on, on Monday, uh, we heard from uh, Marca in Spain that uh, Sergio Aguero is moving. Uh, he's staying in the same city, but moving from Atlético to Real Madrid, and that the club will announce this signing on the 28th on, on Saturday, the same day Barcelona plays uh, Manchester United at Wembley for the Champions League final and then what I heard just before these guys arrived at my lovely Cabachito flat on Twitter was one actually from Aguero or I know one of Aguero's minions <laughs> saying that he will be leaving Atletico next year he didn't say where he didn't say Real but he said he would be he would be leaving another thing that, that ties in with the Maradona thing another man who Maradona has been supporting very vociferously and Perhaps slightly surprisingly, given that Diego Maradona is the living, breathing embodiment of Boca Juniors, is River Plate president Daniel Passarella, who we may have mentioned in passing because I can't remember when he said it exactly, called on AFA president Julio Grandona to resign over the deciding of who was going to referee which games following River's loss in the Super Clásico, during which they were denied, let's yeah. say, at least one, probably two, perhaps three penalties. Well, but but Passarella played and played vociferously about this and then apparently Boca Vice President Juan Carlos Crespi stood up at one point to try and defend Grondona and Passarella shouted him down <laughs> telling him that vos no exist this which is you know, you belittling somebody severely in, in Argentine Spanish um, and Maradona has, has come out in support of Passarella the only thing we can think is that it's because Passarella is saying something about Grondona that's mm. bad and, and therefore yeah, your, enemy is, kind of your enemy's enemy is your friend but, yeah. but the refereeing has remained in the spotlight in the weekend it's gone in the clausura most notably on Friday night in the match in El Sur between Banfield and Godoy Cruz <laughs> that was a, a concert um, after getting back in I found uh, on the on the websites and on the TV news that Godoy Cruz were very upset with the refereeing their captain and best player Diego Vichar um, best player? I, certainly one of the most influential nice. in the midfield I think yeah. um, good was, was complaining and was saying that the AFA it, it, it doesn't convenient the AFA to have Godoy Cruz who are based in Mendoza around what 1200 kilometres maybe from Buenos Aires Closer to Santiago de Chile than Buenos Aires. Yeah, much closer. It doesn't convenience them to have a Mendoza side winning the championship. What had happened was that Godoy Cruz had drawn 1-1 with Banfield. Bichard himself had scored an absolute screamer fairly late on in the game from 
what, 35 yards, which came down off the crossbar, bounced over the line and bounced back out, which the linesman had missed. And then with about five or ten minutes to go, Panfield gave away one of the clearest penalties you'll ever see in your life. The referee was standing two yards away, looking right at it, and didn't give it. For a moment, I thought well, the crews were harassing. Yeah. <laughs> they were getting that kind of treatment. Yeah, yeah. Was, the disallowed goal from Bichard, I mean, it would have been lovely if it had stood, particularly because it was amazing. It would have been a contender for goal of the season. But now we know what it's, it's understandable. Yeah, it was it was roughly as far over the line as as Frank Lampard's goal against Germany in last year's World Cup. It's going to be something that continues to happen for as long as we haven't got video technology on the goal lines. And I think but the two penalty um, shout was. How else do you explain it other than no? Because the, the, no, but the, the referee was only three yards out. Yeah. he was following the play, and I, I I can't think of a reason why he wouldn't give it. And he, he signaled the player who was fouled. He moved his hand up and down, like, but to get up, up, yeah. Yeah, ch- yeah. just to urge the, this player to get up, like if he was simulating or, or diving. But he didn't give him a yellow, so he wasn't alive. Mm. What, what was it then? I mean, mm, it was yeah. clear penalty. It was a, 10 minutes from time, the, the, the game was 1 0, and with a wing, the crews would have uh, gone over Venice. Uh, yeah. At least temporarily, and they were they were yeah they were robbed they were absolutely. I'd robbed. say to uh, Laverne's credit though that he did come out the next day, which is fairly uh, yeah, unusual for a referee either in Argentina or the rest of the world, and said, "I got back to my hotel, I watched the game, and I wanted to kill myself." Hmm. Like he knew it was like he think he called it the worst night of his life as a referee, and yeah. he's kind of apologised to be shared. And he had like three, four worst days of your of his life. He's <laughs> just against Galatasaray. Galatasaray. Yeah. No, no in, in the last couple of weeks he had yeah, like I mean, two, he's, three nightmares. And even before this Galatasaray, he's a referee who's got previous for this kind of thing. But yeah. the penalty decision was probably the worst decision I've ever seen him make, and it does make you wonder when when you've got these kind of accusations flying around. Um, some of them have to stick, and that one decision, which would have probably won the game for Godoy Cruz, was. Astonishing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By contrast, uh, uh, River San Lorenzo the weekend, uh, on yesterday as we're talking, on Sunday evening, the AFA obviously wanted a referee who was going to not cause any big fuss. So why on earth they chose Pablo Lanati? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he does, he makes yeah. a fuss. Yeah. There's no referee I like watching more actually in the Argentine league than when Lunati tells a player to get up, <laughs> that was a clean tackle. I'm not going to give you the free kick because he does it in such an overly dramatic way. <laughs> Extremely <laughs> demonstrative, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah he's an idiot. Yeah. He's an and he showed, he showed a red card that shouldn't have been for two Matias Jimenez. Yeah, it, it, it was for a sliding tackle, but he judged it to be from behind, but he was, actually, made, uh, he was actually coming from, from mm-hmm. one side. Okay. Matias Jimenez even touched the ball. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Went for a clean tackle. He never tried to... Anyway, that, that was. I think that was... A, very wrong decision it, it was, was late on it was the yeah, 7th minute and yeah. the game was I mean by that point River already well, so desperate if we're finished talking about the referee Sam I want you to tell us about the, the dark night of the soul that Cuddy's was experiencing so there was another pretty yeah. bad mistake on Sunday and it wasn't this time from the referee no I, I, I wanted to just add though that I thought Nazi um but no, I mean, by, by and large, it was the kind of thing I was expecting, where he, without doing anything that was completely ridiculous and that you just couldn't understand at all, with the exception maybe this ring, I, I've not seen the challenge since on television, obviously I saw it from the stand, and I did notice in fact that the, the guy who got sent off took about five minutes to leave the pitch, he tried to he stay was on the lift, lined yeah. up in the wall. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was essentially kind of, all of the little 50-50 challenges shoulder badges and whatnot. He was tending to go River's way. He like he, he maybe let River off a little bit more frequently than San Lorenzo because he'd obviously been said, you know, just 
go easy on them, but don't do anything really, you know, don't give them any penalties that shouldn't be or anything. Probably more traditional refereeing exactly. behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but by and large, it was his, um, let's say, a, a fairly, certainly by Lunati's standards, a fairly normal refereeing performance. I think you're avoiding talking about yeah, but No, no I, I, wanted <laughs> to, I wanted to get that in. Um, but yeah, Carrizo, the, the, the match finished 1-1. River Plate took the lead about seven or eight minutes before half time with a goal from Leandro Caruso, not Juan Pablo Caruso. <laughs> or Ricardo Caruso Lombardi. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. Um, he was given a very rare start and then with about 15 minutes to play. Now remind me who the San Lorenzo played. Jonathan Ferrari. Jonathan Ferrari, thank you. Yeah, actually just come off the bench, hadn't he, like yeah. two minutes earlier, if that. Great substitution by Toho. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he had started to have a pop from sure. how far out? Was it? it was. It's about it was forty miles. miles it was about yeah. forty yards. I mean, he picked the ball up very near the halfway line. Nobody really closed him down, and he sort of touched it quite away in front of him, and then thought, "Balls to it, I'll have a pop." And it was it was going very close to the crossbar. I um uh, our guest last week, Ashley tweeted me when I said last night that he made a real howler by saying, "Yeah, he did make a howler because it was going a mile over." And I said, no, it wasn't. It was. No, I don't it, think it might have been going to hit the bar, it might have been just going to whistle over, or it might have just been creeping in under the crossbar, but Cody still had to try and that, that was going in. Yeah, that was going yeah, in. Um, yeah. It's he not the point, really. No, he, he kind of got caught in two minds between whether he should try and put, push it over the crossbar or try and catch it, um, and ended up doing neither. He pushed it up into the air, and it fell just underneath the crossbar and dropped over the line for San Lorenzo's equaliser after which River didn't really have any other answers and the fans turned on him five minutes later he did what Juan Pablo Carrizo often does which <laughs> when he gets a back pass played to him which is try and make a fool out of an opposing um, striker closing him down by you know, doing a craft turn or, or some kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um, and, and slipped over and, and the fans were really caning him for it and you know I was kind of sat there thinking this guy has saved so many points for River He's made two bad mistakes, of course, in the last week, which have cost matches, and, and there's no denying that. But they turned on him, and when he when he left the pitch uh, full time, he was, he, I thought, fairly brave in a way, albeit to an extent he had to. He gave, he gave the interview to the TV cameras on the halfway line, and JJ Lopez, Rivers' manager, stayed on the pitch to kind of shepherd him off and to show him his support and Carrizo pushed Lopez off and then, and then pushed push. goalkeeping coach and River legend and Argentina legend in fact as well Ovaldo Fichol off as well and kind of walked off and, and the crowd half of the crowd were booing him and half of them were giving him a standing ovation the San Lorenzo fans for like <laughs> 10 minutes of the match were chanting Carrizo Carrizo <laughs> but I actually but, saw that from um, you know from TV we probably saw it closer up than you did and like mm. I thought Carrizo his behaviour then was a bit odd he kind of went off he did now Almeida basically you know pushing the players off and he went off kind of like kissing the badge and well, gesturing the to the sense with Almeida he was pushing the police off yeah <laughs> well, I think, I'm not sure but I think it might have been like no I'm going to go and face the crowd myself like yeah. I don't need you because uh, Fichol was putting his arm around him and he, and he sort of pushed yeah. it I think that might have worked. I don't know if he was annoyed at Fichol yeah, he, he already apologised to Fichol but yeah. I think it's a uh, still I thought it was, a, it was an overreaction from, from Carissa for me most people say you said Fichol yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, okay just, like some people say Pichu and some others say we, call, we say Pichu or yeah. Pichu yeah whatever <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but as he said, Sam, I think it, it, he was quite brave to go and do the, do the TV interview yeah. afterwards. And his, he, well, I don't know if it was brave or just to do with his massive, massive ego. But um, he, yeah. he, he sort of commented. He, 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 yeah. he took the responsibility. Even after the goal, yeah. he was he was touching himself in the chest, saying "my fault," mm. as if there was any doubt about that. But and he said in an interview afterwards, um, "Yeah, I, made, I lost us some some vital points in the last in the last week, but I've also." Uh, saved us a lot of games this year and sort of it's thing. true especially against Racing but anyway yeah, I, I don't mean this year even three seasons ago when River last won a title it was in huge well you know some of it was down to Ariel Ortega and Diego Bonanotte clicking up front but probably the majority of it was down to Carrizo in goal because River didn't have a defense <coughs> we were talking about him being maybe even the number one choice for Argentina in the, in the Copa yeah. do you think it has dropped him down the peg? I don't know no I don't think so Batista has already said that yeah. he's, he's, he's in the squad full, full support and he's in the squad but he, I'm just wondering if he's gone from maybe perhaps being the number one to perhaps dropping down the second choice now I think it depends how he finishes the season like, he's, like unlike all the European candidates he's still got four games to prove himself mm. if he finishes with four good performances and he's got yeah, I, still prefer, I still prefer Romero yeah. who's not so prone to make no he's not I mean, an exceptional fact. keeper by by any way shape or form but he doesn't make stupid mistakes yeah, just, just very just having this doubt in his mind about this having a doubt in his, his mind about these kind of blunders in, yeah. in like imagine this in a, in a final no no yeah. against yeah. Brazil or something one, one thing I'd like to say is as a River fan to take first of all is that it's difficult to blame Carissa entirely for the draw because River Again, and I say this every single week, played really well and couldn't put the ball in the net. In this case, more than the once that Caruso managed. Caruso isn't probably isn't going to stay with River next season. He's on loan from Lazio, and, and people are seeming to think that he'll either move back to Lazio or go to another European club. But if we pretended for a second that Caruso was staying with River, or indeed if Chichi Sola ends up stepping up and being, you know, somewhere like as good which he potentially could be, he's only very young. In terms of what you'd need for River to be a side challenging for the, the Clausura, and they're, they're still fifth, let's not forget, in, in the Clausura, and very much in the run for the Copa Sudamericana place. Um, but in terms of, of what you'd need for a River side to be challenging for the Apertura, it wouldn't be a lot different to the team they've got at the moment. You'd just need one or two strikers who can score more frequently than yeah. the three they've got. Because the midfield... Otherwise even, I mean, yesterday, Almeida was suspended for yesterday's match. Yeah. I didn't think River missed him at all. In terms of the performance, the only reason that San Lorenzo got the equaliser was a really freak mistake from the goalkeeper. San Lorenzo were pressuring during the second half but didn't really get any clear-cut opportunities. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with Leandro. I think it's Leandro Gonzalez Pires, mm-hmm. who's like a... I want to say seven, maybe 18, 19 year old um, centre back who was making he, he came in uh, off the bench from the Super Classico last week and was making one of his first starts yes. he didn't put a foot wrong, he was really strong in the air and we know that San Lorenzo's forwards can, can be a handful even if they don't always <laughs> manage to score every week but talking about you know, you're not talking about a bad team they've just got an awful strike no, 12 goals in 15 games so, they have yeah other well, games on the, on the weekend were interesting well you, we have to mention Vélez they're yeah. unstoppable yeah. at the moment they're, they're warming in with a with, yeah. magnificent goal really really lovely goal from Santiago Silva future Argentina representative I went to the river game with um, with the tour group because I was throwing a freebie by one of the people I work for because you're learning about Argentinian football that's quite right yeah um and we were hanging out in a hostel bar before heading to the game and they were showing the game I was the only person in there watching it everybody else was in there you know enjoying their, their beers and, and uh, 
super panchos and everything and I started watching the game over everybody's heads and when Silva scored that goal I went oh <laughs> and everybody looked at me. <laughs> I was like look at this and then I had to sit there for about two minutes before they showed the replay and everybody's kind of looking from the screens at me going this is going alright <laughs> yeah it was good he, he took down a really a long ball and just stopped it dead with his mm-hmm. left foot I think I, I think he, so stopped, he stopped it with, it with his right with foot, right foot yeah. and this was from outside the box left, and then yeah. the, the goalkeeper was barely off his line and, and yeah. sort of looped it into the goal it was really really nice was and he briefly looked at the, at the goalkeeper in the replay you can see it clearly and then hit it with the left foot which is not his strong mm-hmm. strong foot either and that was amazing that was a great goal and then they, they got a second in the second half and penalty and from not, Maxi Morales Maxi Morales, Morales of course. and don't forget they're, they're, they made it to the semi-finals of yep. the yeah. Copa Libertadores mm-hmm. this, so. this match we're talking about by the way was a 2-0 win against Gimnasia yeah yeah um, which was one of Australian Dan's predictions that came through <laughs> the weekend. Uh, as was the Banfield Godoy Cruz game, in fact, which shouldn't have finished as a draw, but Dan did predict it as a draw. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Well, I think you said if we we count, uh, well, we should mention that uh, yeah, Estudiantes was was called off, which I have for Estudiantes, and and they were leading two 0 before crowd. We talk, yeah, we should probably talk about that game a little bit yeah. because <coughs> it was fairly intense violence that were coming from Huracan, and it's not exactly their first. The first strike is no, violence, guys. The, the, un- the understanding of it, I think, was that the Estudiantes fans were singing something provocative. Or yeah, you're going down to. And the Huracan fans basically no. took the bait. And they ripped everything they could out of the stadium. Every, every, every team yeah. will sing that to you. And, and if I mean, you're we, were, if we were singing it against Kidmez exactly. on Sunday it without stopping. And, yeah. when those are just people who. Those, those are just people who want to yeah. do. Uh, Harm uh, mm. to 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 their own club if they yeah. if they support their club yeah. in the first place. And this is the thing because it's in Huracan Stadium. Yeah, they were ripping and, like and advertising uh, boardings off. Yeah. Chairs. Boarding they don't care. They just go there trying trying to look for trouble. Yeah. They left the away, the home end. They left the stadium and went then the street, came back up in the back. The yeah. yeah, came back on the sitting places uh, areas and then. Try to try to invade the, the, the away end. Yeah. No police whatsoever to to to, to control no. this. And it's it's stupid because I mean I, I certainly am, and I think uh, I'm I'm going to guess that you would be seven. I don't know about the two dams, but in in terms of the argument about who should be the, the, the sexto grande, the sixth big club. I'm on Huracan's side rather than Bellis's because I don't like Bellis at all. But I think <laughs> Huracan, with, with the history and and, uh, and and the stuff that surrounds them as a club historically, have uh, absolutely. You know, yeah. it's a fantastic club, but the fans are raging idiots. There's a section of no, there's a section of That's a bit harsh. But but our family, some of my best friends are Huracan fans. I know a lot. Now I know a lot of Huracan fans, and they're usually kind of more the the most fairest, the most kind of generous fans. But obviously, as with any club, there's a section that are just complete. Last year, I was in the away end um, in the last day of the Clausura last year. I uh, in with a load of seemingly about twenty thousand Argentinos Juniors fans in the away end at Huracan who saw Argentinos win the league. And immediately after the the, the game, you know, most of the Huracan fans in the plateas and a fair few of them in the popular stayed behind afterwards to watch the trophy presented to Argentinos and were applauding them. And a few idiots set fire to something at the bottom oh, of the popular. I remember that, yeah. There was a huge fire. I think it was a uh, pan. It was no, a, uh, I mean, I or something. Yeah, cart, yeah. you know, we we couldn't from the other end of the stadium couldn't see what it was, but it, they were setting fire to parts of their own ground. Yeah, and you think, oh, 
Well, the same behavior as, as last same time. As as yes, yeah, yeah, same as yesterday. Exactly. It's impossible to say, okay, these uh, Huracan fans are idiots and the others are not. Yeah. All the Barrabravas are idiots. All the, yeah, yeah, and every club has a. Every, every set of fans have a Barrabrava. And I think that's a disgrace, and that's one of the most dangerous things and, 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 and the things that you should have in mind when you're criticizing Grondona I think this is the, the worst mm. people dying at the sta- at stadiums and yeah. Grondona doing nothing those are the things that should uh, Grondona should be accounted for no, yeah the problem is he's empowering them by, <laughs> but, uh, by allowing them to, to by giving them tickets basically yeah. and allowing yeah. them to, to make money from, exactly. from being Barabras mm. and Barabras are, are, are even like like was the case when when Argentina traveled to South Africa yeah. on the same flight w- with Maradona and the rest of the team. Mm. There were a by lot of coincidences. By complete coincidence, and Grondona didn't know, of no. course. No. Anyway, <laughs> so it's impossible to say, oh, Huracan uh, fans are idiots and, and the others or whatever. Mm. They all have a Barra Brava, and all Barra Bravas are idiots, and they They're don't. And they don't love the balance, team. Yeah. They just love the money. They don't uh, love the team. I apologize to any Huracan listeners. <laughs> uh, I, I apologize for saying that. It's more just that. Of all of the acts of violent stupidity I've seen at games, the two that I've, I've seen the clearest have been at Huracan Stadium since I got here. Um, and it's just bizarre that they want to attack their own stadium. I mean, I, I've been in uh, years ago, the very first game I came to in Argentina in 2003 was River against Nueva Chicago. And the Chicago fans, after River got awarded the penalty with about 10 minutes to go uh, to win the game, spent the last 10 minutes of the game tearing up seats and throwing them down onto the section of seats that I was sitting in. <laughs> And you know that's idiocy. They're just going for That that also is is idiocy and violence and, and should not be allowed. But at the same time, at least it's not your own stadium. <laughs> 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 like, never mind just being a moron. It's the fact that it's you're a, actually shooting. It's a different level of moron, slightly less. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Moronic. Yeah. That's, that's what I. That's what I was meaning to say. Yeah, think, yeah that yeah. was. Um, so other, I think other uh, notable matches that happened during the weekend. I think it's uh, worth mentioning Lanús's game because we haven't really talked much about Lanús being very much under the radar this year. That they fresh Tigre three nil, three nil, yeah, with a hat trick from, from Silvio Romero, yeah. possibly future River Plate target. Possibly, I was, I was thinking that actually. I was thinking very, that. very tightly crossed fingers. Yeah, um, who I actually tweeted last week was. Seemed to be getting a bit of a reputation for himself because he scored one last week with a really good finish. Yeah. He's, he's not got a, an especially impressive goals to game ratio if you look at his stats on, say, Soccer Base or Wikipedia or something, but a lot of his early performances from, from Lanús were like 20 minute yeah. substitute appearances. And I think so far this, this season, from something like 12 starts, he's scored around seven or eight goals, I think. Well, I think a lot of that, well, I would say, is the game on the weekend had a lot to do with the, the, the Lanús midfield who were really impressive they've got a very good Camarón Este yeah. you have Valeri and, and, and Guido Pizarro Pizarro right, the, the younger guy who really nice assist for the first goal yeah so Romero is there to, to bang in the goals but yeah the, those guys are really there and yeah. I think aside from that I don't know if we talked about it that much and I don't want to kind of gear this um, podcast too much towards politics we talked about this too much but I think we've all kind of we all kind of respect how Lanús run themselves as a club and the fact they don't get into much debt. I see Sam is actually wearing the Lanús colours tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've just got a really nice model of I used to live working out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. That's three of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, you've got to kind of respect them as an institution for kind of really prioritising their youth players and bringing them up through the ranks, not selling them too, too late, I think. I actually, as, as I said a week or two ago, well, they've actually given... Correct. 
TV over, yeah. yes, of course. They've actually given their managers some continuity. Yeah. They, they had um, Rom- Romero, I always say Romero, and it's not Romero, is it? Yeah, Cabrera. 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 Cabrera, who won the title with them, followed by Luis Subaldia, who was given a, a good long time. And yeah. you, you have to presume now that Ariel Shura is is also going to be given you know, a significant time to actually yeah. influence the way the club is. And they, they're going well. Yeah. They're one of the clubs we're going to be talking about in a very brief while, right after, since I had to talk about River San Lorenzo earlier, <laughs> right after we asked the two Dan's, what the hell happened last Sunday? You mean Dan and Silva? Dan and Seba. Dan and Seba is what I meant. Yeah, you, can, you can ask Dan too. You can ask him. I don't really care. Maybe we can ask the two Dan's, one, of, one for a neutral opinion. On Sunday you lost two nil away to Quilmes, yeah. um, who we'll be talking about in terms of the relegation battle a little later. Yeah, Racing were missing Teo, Toranzo, and Leach. It's because we were talking about this earlier and I was saying how what players we were missing and Seba made sure uh, to uh, miss As I was watching that game actually and looking at the, the guys who were replacing them, I was thinking that it's it's criminal that Racing are so low in the table now because the, the, the type of depth that they have in their squad, they've got some really good re- players replacing them. Yeah, but I think they were, not you, up to, they were not got, up to it last, uh, yesterday on Sunday. Nah. Um, apart from a cross from Farinha and Valentin Viola hitting the post on eight minutes, Racing never, never they, caused no. Kilmes any problems. I think in the rest of the game. Yeah. I mean, I was at the game, I was just behind the goal in the Popular as always. The first half was alright, it was a terrible, terrible day in Buenos Aires. Like some viewers or listeners even might think that, you know, we live in perpetual sunshine out in South America, but this was a proper English day at the football. Kind of driving rain, freezing, kind of soaked down to my skin. And I go yeah. further actually when, when it rains in Buenos Aires it, it rains, rains I mean yeah. I was very lucky by the time River kicked off it had stopped raining yeah. by the second uh, half of that game it had just about yeah, stopped but it, it literally stopped raining maybe five minutes before I started I actually front I knew Sam was going to a river so I asked him if he was going to bother making the, making the trip out and mm. Lucky you did because you saw Cadiz's yeah. magic. You yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, saw so another kind of rain. Yeah. 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 But as I said, it, it was actually a fairly good. Yeah, and cleared up by then. Pleased with. Yeah. If I'd been neutral, I'd have been, you know, really happy to. Have been mm-hmm. But anyway, back to. Yeah, and then, then then Kilmes uh, scored a great goal, the the, the, the opening goal, yeah. and then for a change, there was an offside goal uh, that. Counted against Racing. <laughs> I was I wouldn't say it. Yeah, I, can, well, he was I can bear to watch the highlights. He was, he was. Um, but the thing is, uh, I'm not going to even complain about it because Racing had nothing no. on that game. No right. way yeah. we could have equalised or anything. I think and all the same, yeah. Looking at the bigger picture, we can say, like, Racing are out of the title, that's it. You know, kind of eight points behind Vélez, there's no possible way you can get back into With it. With 12 to go. Yeah. With 12 to go, yeah, it's, it's done. But... It was an awful, awful performance at the same time. I don't think you can condemn Racing too much for the players that were missing and yeah. all this kind of thing. It's, it, was a, it was a tricky game. It was always going to be very, very tricky, like, yeah. especially in the rain. We know Quilmes, they're not, you know, they're struggling down the bottom, but they're a hard team. They hit hard, and that's yeah, what found out. Yeah. Quilmes and their, and their Caruso are, are, are completely different. Yeah. Now, and now, if they win three out of the next uh, four matches, they will force they will force Gimnasia and Huracan to get at least ten points out of the next yeah. twelve points, which, which is will, a big hustle. Yeah. Then, yeah, which we're going to talk about in a minute, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so, we should uh, quickly mention uh, anything else to no, say. No, just, just to yeah. resume, uh, just to finish on Racing. I think uh, 
It's a very disappointing end of the season for Racing. Seven defeats, seven, seven wins, victories, and seven, seven defeats. defeats. Equal yeah. points with Independiente. Yeah, well, that, that's uh, very disappointing. I always thought after Gio got injured that Racing were going to be mid-table, yeah. and it ended up being a bit above that. But anyway, it's, it's yeah. still disappointing. And uh, speaking Think of Independiente, <laughs> they got a second win in a row just to. Another great goal from Petito Rodriguez who gets better every week. The table, give us the table with four weeks to go. Yeah, which we're not going to be talking about because we're going to very briefly. uh, We've been recording for about an hour, so we've probably got enough time to to keep on for a bit longer given that I've cut a lot of the crap we've already said. (laughs) Um, We're going to briefly discuss the the title running and the relegation chase as well. Um, I'm going to call it a a four-horse race for the the class order. We've got Vélez Sarsfield at the top on 30 points and potentially, importantly, um, also in the semi-finals of the Copa Libertadores, which you never know may have a, a say in the running. Godoy Cruz second on 27 points following that disallowed legitimate winner and the disallowed penalty. Lanús a third on 26 and Olimpo, who are the only one of these clubs who are involved in both of the struggles that we're going to be talking about, a fourth on 25 points. The obvious place to start is with the leaders Vélez, who have lost two of the last five but won all of the other three. In their run-in, they've got Tigre away next weekend or Akan away in two weeks' time. In between, they've got to play Godoy Cruz, which is going to be a massive game at home. And then on the last weekend, they've got Racing, who, if Racing is still in the hump of the Sudamericana places, which we'll be talking about next week, we don't have time to do it this week, that could be a really interesting game. Very briefly, Velas Estudiantes have already qualified. Just behind them in the standings, you have, I think, Godoy Cruz, but definitely River and Racing need, you know, maybe a, another win and a draw each would be enough to push them over the line. But yeah. behind them, there are six teams to qualify because Independiente, who qualified as last year's winners, don't take one of the Argentine berths. Um, but yeah, we, we have to talk about Velas as, as a favourite. Uh, exactly. Clearly the best team, and I think, as you said, as you sort of hinted at, Sam, I think the only thing that's, that could affect that is, the, is their. Copa Libertadores semi-final and possible final which which could complicate matters and, and a couple of tough games as and you also said. you know in a, week, in a week and probably a week and a half by the time the podcast is online the the, the home match against Godoy Cruz right. um, those are the only two of the top four who have to play each other and that's going to be a really massive game but I think that is, yeah, as, as we say are going to have yeah. to be favourites although Godoy in second have slightly better form they, they've only lost one of the last five they've won three and drawn one of the others mm. um, Lanús are the only un- unbeaten team in the last five games well, <coughs> in the top four yeah you, you met, we, as we talked about before I, I quite like Lanús as one of these because it quite often happens in the, in the Argentinian championship where somebody comes from 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 nowhere and uh, yeah we saw it with Argentina this time last year yeah, yeah. and, and for me Lanús is, is one of those teams yeah. that could yeah. just and, do that I mean, yeah, their next game is Home to Huracan. What's the, what's the running like, Sam? Lanús have Huracan at home, who are 19th at the moment. Independiente away, who are currently 6th. Argentinos Juniors at home, who are 8th. And then on the last day, they've got River away. River at the moment. So that, that would be another so it's massive not easy, game. But yeah. at the same time, it's you've got to assume this weekend that they'll get 3 points against Huracan. Mm. And then the following week, with the two teams above them playing each other, yeah. Lanús and if they've potentially got potentially <coughs> going to be second going into the last yeah. two matches, and if they've got Argentinos and Independiente, who I'd say Independiente are probably safe now. These two teams probably haven't got that much to play for. No, exactly. exactly. 
And then the last game of the season for Lanús would be against River, yeah. and it could be the title decided for Lanús, and it could send River it's, to promotion. Yeah. That would be it's, it's against huge, River huge in the Monumental, and potentially if it, you have to say as well. Well, Lanús if, if it's going to send if it potentially sends River to the promotion, then the referee is going to be. Yeah, and and will have been leaned on. The interesting thing is that when Lanús won the title in 2007, they won the title at La Bombonera, and now they have a chance. Course, they yeah. probably have a shot at winning the title at the Monumental. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Olimpo, the obvious outsiders, that five off the lead, only a, a point behind Lanús. But um, the last three games are the easiest of any of the, any of the clubs. It's more that I say the outsiders because. Of the last five, they've lost one and drawn two, and only one to. They play River at, at home in Bahia Blanca in a big relegation clash this weekend. But then the last three games, they've got Arsenal away. Arsenal are 17 in the Barcelona. Newell's at home, which is a nailed-on win. Newell's uh, 20th and have won what two matches two, so far yeah. this year, I think. And Kilmes, who are 16th away on the last day. Mm, Kilmes, Kilmes away, not going to be easy. Uh, by uh, that point, Kilmes will probably be down. <coughs> or probably playing for the lives, because yeah. yeah. if they get a couple of wins together... To tell the truth, I kind of like Olimpo against River this week. Yeah. Um, so We've now got the, the bottom six in the Promedio standings, which of course is a different table, which decides relegation, which for first time listeners is done over three seasons with the number of games that they've played in that time divided by the number of points they've got to give points per game sorry the number of points they've got divided by I said that last time as well. you always <laughs> yeah, the number of points divided by the number of games played in the current division in the last three seasons so for example in the case of Kielmes for whom the current season is the only one of the last three that they've been in the top flight the number of points they win this season is divided by at the moment by 34 because that's the number of matches they've played but Olimpo aren't in this table I, I, I don't I think they're clear of relegation already and they're immediately mm. above they need what, two what more wins got, the, 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 the side, probably yeah but what we've got at the moment the sides that I've noted down are Tigre Arsenal in 15th and 16th River and Huracan in 17th and 18th which are the relegation playoff places mm. and Gimnasia Quilmes in the automatic spot ironically Quilmes who are the bottom of the lot have got the best form in the last five games they've only lost one they've won three um, in Caruso we trust I told you yeah, <laughs> we've said it many a time here many, many times right they've not got an easy run and they're playing all boys in Floresta this weekend and then they've got a home game against Boca and a away game against San Lorenzo mm. and then they finish off at home to Olimpo <laughs> which I, which is why I said earlier, we still I trusting in Caruso <laughs> Um, I still trust Caruso. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to write it. I wouldn't tell you they will save themselves from everything. They, they'll probably They're gonna have to go promotion even if they excel in the, the next four weeks. Mm. Um, but I think they, they, they have a better chance than ever before because now yeah. they, are, they have a better form and they're playing yeah. very differently than before. And True. I the, think one team that are going to go down uh, or I can if I see yeah. Sam's list they've lost exactly what, what five in the last <laughs> they've lost five four in the last because this last one is, uh, yeah. is the game that was called off against Estudiantes but assuming that they don't manage assuming that they don't get two goals, goals back reply, yeah. uh, when that's replayed. and they just look absolutely dreadful yeah and, and they're running I mean they're away to Lanús this weekend oh, oh, yeah. 
which is going to be hard. Then it's Tigre, followed by a home match. Well, OK, they're at home to Tigre, then they're at home again the next week, but it's against Vélez. They've got Independiente away on the last weekend. Probably they'll be relegated by then, assuming that these three, the three before it go to form, I, I would think. Yeah. And Gimnasia, the ones competing with them, they Gymnasia have two... Gimnasia's an interesting one, because they've got Racing. They've got Racing in La Plata. Yeah. Not this coming weekend. They're away to Godoy Cruz this oh. weekend, which is unfortunate for them. But obviously, Racing and Gimnasia, we've spoken before on here about how the two clubs are friendly. There's a big say. friendship. Well, between Gimnasia, more, but yeah. Is it going to go out the window if because Gimnasia are obviously fighting against relegation? But if Racing need a win to get into the Copa Sudamericana, I think it depends a lot on what we see against Banfield. Uh, well, Racing have got Banfield next week. I should mm. explain. If Racing get three points against Banfield, there. We're, they're pretty much in yeah. the Mathematically it won't be definite But they'll be yeah. all at home and dry So I think I'm not saying that Racing will go out to lose But I think We could see A, a little bit of an easing Could we see then Could we see a tie break Coming up between Huracan and Gimnasia To decide the last Direct relegation place Yeah but if Kilmes does really, really If Kilmes Do really really, yeah, really good They said It will send both of them down At present I should just say That Huracan are in the playoff places by virtue of having their 123 yeah. points divided by 109 matches but if they lose that they'll be level they have exactly the same number of games um, points sorry the same number of points but 110 matches which means if Huracan do go on to lose the replay game with the Estudiantes they'll be exactly level on points yeah. there will be a tiebreaker needed obviously the side who to the Argentine football traditionalist is most surprising to see on this list is the team in 17th River Plate who've got two home games left um, at home to Colón in two rounds time and uh, home to Lanús on the last day if Lanús as we've already said are going for the title of that Colón are the away specialists yeah I can see on your list as well they've got two very difficult away games this against weekend. Olimpo and Estudiantes oh, which is oh River the Estudiantes game obviously we, we were talking last week about I see the feathers flying <laughs> speechless <laughs> the, the Estudiantes game we were mentioning last week that Estudiantes haven't you have to assume they're going to go on to win this game against Oracan when it's replayed in about a week's time but prior to that they haven't won in 12 games so the Estudiantes away depending on how Estudiantes react and, and go into the next two matches now that they've you know all but won a match at last um, they might be flying or it might be it sort of depends how much they care really like what, exactly that, that could come into it as well um, got a little to play for the thing that I think is going to prove crucial is that Arsenal have got the next two games against San Lorenzo and Olimpo San Lorenzo is going to be tricky for them it, it's in the Nuevo Gasometro in San Lorenzo Stadium and then Olimpo at home but as we've said Olimpo may be fighting on two fronts even though they're not mentioned on this relegation list. it looks as though then that Olimpo are going to have a very big hand in this yeah, relegation absolutely. if they well, if they win against River and lose against Arsenal, it's kind of the worst possible situation for yeah. the River. But and, and Tigre just above them. Now the only thing, the other thing I was thinking is that Vélez still have to play both Tigre and Huracan. They're both away, but obviously Vélez, as we've already seen, are probably the one club who, throughout the championship, haven't really fit into any of these things about the away team always winning, mm-hmm. the home team always doing poorly. No side does well in the Libertadores when they're also doing well in the Clausura. Mm-hmm. Vélez have thrown it all out the window. They've been superb this season, even though they've lost a couple of matches in, you know, against Quilmes and and, um, and the other game they lost All Boys against All Boys in you know fairly spectacular and surprising fashion. Vélez are going to have a say as well if they get wins against Tigre and Huracan, which obviously they'll be gunning for. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. <clears throat> as we, I can see Olimpo finishing strongly. They've shown a lot of. 
pluck all year, uh, and I can see them, you know, throwing the cat amongst the amongst the chickens here. Um, yeah, I mean, in Tigres' last two games, particularly, or a cat, you have to say, still going to be battling for their lives at the moment to try and get into the promotion. Who is who they're playing after Bellas? Then the last two are Independiente and Argentinos, who are going to be relatively disinterested, I would think. We've already said Independiente are all but safe, and Argentinos are in no danger at all of going down. Um, so that's a very brief vocal rundown. I, I might try and get some kind of diagram of these forms onto the, the blog post so that you've got something to look at and actually take in what we've just been saying because I realise it's potentially yeah, it could be confusing could you do like a flash presentation or something <laughs> like, <laughs> something like that yeah. should be right I, I could go kind of web 2.0 and then we're back in 1996 <laughs> um, the other thing that I wanted to mention that I've only just remembered um, in all this relegation discussion is that essentially if River want to keep the situation in their own hands they've got to beat Olimpo this weekend yeah, which brings us very nicely on to the coming weekend of matches and Australian Dan's mystic predictions which will play right after this music which we, which, which he will read to you because they're not pre-recorded <laughs> immediately after this lovely theme tune Okay, so now that Seb has uh, relieved himself in the little boys' room, take it away, Dan. All right, I have, as it's just been pointed out to me, no, no away wins, which is very dangerous. But, okay, Colón, Argentinos draw, San Lorenzo to beat Arsenal, All Boys to beat Quilmes, Racing, Banfield draw, Tigre, Vélez draw, Estudiantes, Independiente draw, and then four home wins, Boca against Niels, Olimpo, as I said, against River, Lanús, against Huracán and Godoy Cruz against Gimnasia. Yeah, we were, we were saying while the music was playing um, that it's, although you're perhaps brave in not picking any away wins, it's difficult to see where one's going to come from really this, this I think weekend. Vélez could be. Yeah, Vélez against Tigre could Definitely, be. I'm keeping in mind uh, Perhaps Alpinos against Conor. I'm, I'm well. putting my money on Quilmes to beat all boys. Yes, yeah. what I was saying actually while that kind of three hour long music break went. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, perhaps Argentinos to beat Colón, possibly. There's a few there. But now that you've mentioned the Copa, Dan, we should maybe mention that really quickly, that Vélez are in this semi-final of the Libertadores, as we've said. Yeah, um, they're playing Peñarol in Montevideo on Thursday. Thank you very much, English Dan, who's showing his worth as our pan-South American uh, <laughs> correspondent around the Argentina-specific one here, because <laughs> I've completely forgotten who they were playing, I just remembered they beat Libertad. <laughs> <laughs> And they play in the second leg immediate the, the very next week. As the well, second leg will be the week after, yeah. yeah Every so game comes one week after the other. So that game is sandwiched right in between them. Mm. Um, Which is, uh, is what I had in mind talking about Vélez maybe dropping points in the in the championship. Yeah. You can imagine because Tigres was always a hard stadium to to go to. Yeah, I know teams they don't necessarily lose there, but there's all, often a lot of draws at Tigre they're yeah. not an easy team to beat no precisely and, and apart from Lanús and we all know what a dangerous striker the, the strike attack so, so essentially it's an interesting one because obviously Vélez are playing Tigre between two legs of the semi-final and then if, if they win it then the match against Godoy Cruz is going to be sandwiched between the second leg of the semi and the first leg of the final yeah so you're quite right the Copa could have a very big uh, in fact I mentioned it but I wasn't really aware of it just how close together all the games are coming can have a huge influence on, on the destination of the title and speaking of Vélez there's uh, something we should mention something that uh, kind of a news or possible how news. you call it a rumour yeah, yeah. that uh, Ricky Álvarez the talented midfielder for mm. Vélez 
signed a pre-contract pre agreement or pre-contract yeah, yeah. pre-contract yeah. with the Arsenal uh, not not the not Grandona's team in <laughs> southern greater Buenos Aires yeah but the, but the lesser known side <laughs> the slightly yeah, more leafy suburb of Islington in London the yeah. Gooners so yeah for for Arsenal fans listening uh You got a good player. You got a good player. And if it's on a free, I mean, that that Class. would be the steal of the century. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible, yeah, he, incredible he, talent. He's, he's had a few problems with injury um, in, uh, over the last kind of twelve to eighteen months, which, in, in a way, just makes him more of a typical Wenger signing. Uh, yeah, and just to share <laughs> a story with you, yeah. just to share a story with you on Sunday, last Sunday or Monday. Um, the editor or one of the editors of the Arsenal magazine contacted contacted me by email say okay do you have a, three players you could mention from the from your domestic league that could be useful for Arsenal mm. and I happen to mention mm. Lamela Eric Lamela which I think is the best, maybe. one of the best yeah. players in the domestic league Claudio Jacob could be useful for don't tell him about Chicago I'm surprised you mentioned the racing players yeah I, yeah, I know I know but I think it's, it's, time, it's time for us to sell him although he played he awfully for, on for Sunday to be honest money. he played and, awfully and, and the third player I mentioned was Ricky Alvarez and then a couple of days later mm. this rumor well, his, his version he's been regarded like he's regarded by many as perhaps the, the player of the tournament or, or at least one of the best yeah, yeah. who will you compare it with I see some things of Kaká but with, without that Uh, blistering speed maybe but uh, it's the food the I food think the, the, the thing that's different about him is uh, he's, he's tall and, and quite I wouldn't say he's robust but more than more so than the average Argentinian I, I'd say almost he's a little more say purely creative rather than such a lung busting runner but Lucho Gonzalez yeah that's another so you know, box to box player gets forwards scores plenty sets plenty up long legs um, whenever he's uh, and also if we, if we can say having spoken about Tevez near the start of the podcast a, a player who should be in the Argentine national side and isn't but nobody's making a fuss about Lucha no. I don't know why <laughs> um, yeah Alvarez uh, yeah what, what else can we say about him is the, um, if, To paraphrase Mr. Maradona, if you don't rate Alvarez, you've never been to Liniers. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Uh. <laughs> On which note, um, having finally managed to get in the big transfer story of the weekend so that we can <laughs> stick it in the podcast uh, headlining, gratuitously get lots of extra listeners, um, we That's will good. say goodbye for now and join us again next week when we'll be obviously running the rule over the current, uh, the weekend to come as it is and the weekend that will have just gone as it will be. And looking at the next, the final three games of the season, the sides competing for the Copa Sudamericana, as well as no doubt discussing all of the mad shit that Diego Maradona is going to come out with in the next few days, because <coughs> there's going to be more. You just know there is. My bet is that he's going to say Grandona's a baby killer. <laughs> yeah, possibly a baby eater. Maybe a baby eater. Yeah. The 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 mad baby eating Bishop of Bath and Wells from Blackadder, who English <laughs> doesn't even recognise. He's too young, and Sever, an Australian dumb, certainly won't. Do. You've got to show it. all of you lot DVDs of this. God. Anyway, it's. But <laughs> oh, well, we digress. Yeah. Yes. For, for now, it's it's goodbye from all of us. Um, goodbye from me and, and from Seba and the two dams who. Ciao, gracias. Ciao, super panchos. Good television <laughs> comedy when they say it. Goodbye.